You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All right, welcome to Felony Inc. Podcast. As always, broadcasting live from my living room in majestic, scenic Portland, Oregon. And oh, what a beautiful day it is today in Portland, man. It's supposed to be about 84 today. It's outlandish for this time of year. Um, as always, we're Felony Inc. Podcast in the society that houses the largest inmate population on Earth. Anything that can be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable, and that's what we attempt to accomplish here at Felony Inc. Podcast every Friday at 10 a.m. Um, today, as always, my great co-host, Nate Thibodeau. How are you doing today? All right. Good to hear you, Zick. Nice yeah. to be here in my own living room talking to you <laughs> in yours. Yeah, yeah, it could be way worse. <laughs> it's kind of crazy out there. We were talking earlier um, by text, and uh, Hugh sent me a screenshot that completely, I mean, I want to say it shocked the hell out of me, but the truth is it doesn't shock me at all. It's just super more of the same. I mean, there's a statistic that just ran across your TV this morning that New York City has arrested a total of 40 people for gathering and not social distancing. And out of those 40 people, 35 of them are black people. And that is just more business as usual. I want to say it's astounding. I want to say it's shocking. I want to say it's unacceptable. It's all of those things. And yet, oh, oh my God, like when does it stop? And just to be clear, 35 out of 40, if we can just sit with that for a second, is completely unacceptable. Let's not even pretend that the other five were white because four of them were Hispanic. So out of 40 people, one person has been arrested for social distance. One white person has been arrested for social distancing out of 40. It's, I have so much to say about that and so many feelings. Yeah, I wish I could say I'm shocked and dismayed by that, but it's just, you know, as you say, it's just more of the same. It's business as usual with the, with the justice system and, the, and people getting arrested. Um, and, you know, it's going to translate across the board, whether it's a pandemic, whatever it is, crime-wise. So it's going to be it just translates, right? Yeah. I mean, what it, so it's such a rhetorical question. Like, what's it going to take? I just, I'm so grateful that we have this platform to, at the bare minimum, do our part in uplifting the voices of folks that have been through the justice system. So hopefully more people can humanize the folks that are in the justice system, that are in prison, and folks that are just, who is getting arrested on the streets, right? There is not, a, it's not a situation where black people are social distancing more poorly than white people, right? I mean, there's so many things that go into that, include, including classism, right? White people have more private space as a whole, more real estate to do their problematic social distancing behind walls. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but it certainly is not that one, you know, race of folks is doing more crime or not following the rules worse than another one. Um, so, God, I would like to see that there's an easy answer, but I hope that just at the bare minimum, the process of being able to humanize folks that are getting arrested and being inside prison and, and showing how, you know, no one is a throwaway is um, maybe it's a little helpful. Let's introduce our guest. He's done some amazing, amazing transformation. And at such a young age, it's uh, Zach's got a really inspiring story. Yeah, indeed. Uh, our guest today, Zach Nolan of PDS Contractors. You could see him previously. He was not a guest on the show before me and they were hosts. On episode 32. Number 32. Uh, yeah. 32. Zach, how are you doing today? Pretty good. I'm glad to be on here with you guys. Yeah, thanks hey, for Zach. Asking. Hi. 
So, uh, Zach, um, last time you were on the show, you touched on a couple things. But first off and foremost, I'm kind of curious, how's everything going with you right now? Well, uh, everything is going pretty good. It's a little bit odd with the coronavirus going on, and it's definitely shifted a lot of people's lives. So I'm, I would say that I'm in a pretty good position, but it's, it's kind of weird to be out in the world right now with people. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least yeah strange times how has the coronavirus impacted your business first of all will you re- you know retell us about pdx contractors and the work you're doing to uh create housing for for re- for folks in transition right for folks that are yes and that tell us a little bit not- about that yeah so um, PDX Contractors is totally separate from the housing piece. Mountain View Recovery is a housing organization that I run. And um, so PDX Contractors, I'm a licensed contractor. I do real estate investing with that company. And with that company, it's really slowed down over the last year. And that's because I decided to slow down my real estate investing. And I was kind of expecting and um, a downturn in the market. So I got stuck on a couple projects. As far as that goes, it's the coronavirus has slowed down my project because the city won't let me turn in building prints um, to get building permits. So I'm kind of on hold uh, and it's, it's working very slowly on that end. But with my recovery housing, uh, that's a very real situation. Um, and what I mean by that is that it's for the business itself, it hasn't been uh, extremely impacted, but it's the people that are in our housing that are being impacted by this coronavirus and trying to social distance and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's an odd time for us, and um, we're trying to be on top of people for uh, being cleaner uh cleaning multiple times a day in the common areas and stuff like that but um and also you know supporting people that are out of work at this time what kind of percentage of the folks that are in your recovering housing are still going to work i mean are you in a situation where some of the people are out needing to go to work other people are out of work so that seems like that would be a high um, high engagement rate for infe- potential infection. You, you know, I thought the same thing. Um, as of now, we haven't really had any scares. Um, and there's been a few people that were sick, but it was, you know, the regular stuff. Nobody has been, uh, has caught the COVID or anything like that. And luckily here in Oregon, we have very low rates uh, for that. But um, as far as like the people being out of work, um, I thought it was going to be more that I would have more people to worry about. But our people are pretty resilient people, right? They've a lot of the people that we get have been through a lot of stuff in their lifetime. And so, you know, losing one job, most of our people get out and and find something else right away. So. Uh, there's a few people that we've had to give extra support to and um, and work with, and uh, but not as much as I had expected, honestly. I yeah, think and, that's uh, really impressive. It, it, it is really impressive, actually. Um, just everything that you're doing, Zach, is actually really impressive because the majority of people, I mean, we watch Flip This House. Uh, you know, we see people kind of, dabbling into the estate and building things, but you're actually doing something on top of flipping houses and flipping real estate for a legitimate cause. Is there something that motivated you to do that from the beginning or is that something that did it evolve that way? Well, everything's kind of evolved for me <laughs> kind of the way life is. But um, when I was uh, 19 and I had, I'd been through the system and I had been on a five year run and, and, um, you know, I, I decided to get clean and sober and I had meetings and sponsors and, and helped me out through that process. And, and one of the first places I moved into, uh, after my work release program was a Oxford house. 
and uh, that's a you know a sober house, and um, that's kind of when uh, I had an idea. I thought it was a great model. I thought that I learned that there could be some things done better about that model, and um, over time, you know, I that was two thousand four. 2005 when I moved into that house and I ended up buying my first house at the end of 2008 and uh, started renting out the rooms. The guys coming out of work release. So it kind of, it molded from that into what we have now, which is over 120 beds with seven houses in three different counties. So it's, it's definitely evolved over the years. Zach, I need you to back up for just a second. Did you say at age 19, you had just done a four-year run or a five-year run? Yes, that's right. Can you go uh, tell us a little bit more that, if I am doing math correctly, means that you were put away at age 14? So when I was 13, uh, I'll step back a little bit farther. Um, I was arrested in my middle school for bringing weed to school. and giving it to my friends and I mean, I wasn't going to give it to them for free. I didn't have any money at the time. So I was arrested for two class A felonies for distribution within a thousand feet of a school. And I had some, um, beliefs, uh, with the system. My father had gotten incarcerated and even though I didn't really have a relationship with him at that time, like I had, uh, I had a, a wall up, with um authority and you know that type of uh issue going on with myself and um by when they they put me through the normal system of just you know putting me on probation offering me a plea bargain uh threatening me with long-term sentences and all this stuff as a child and then i so i took the plea bargain i got on probation I tried to do school. They expelled me from my middle school, gave me a tutor, and uh, the ball just kept on rolling out of control, and I kept rebelling. And um, soon they put me into treatment. I said I wasn't going to stay there, and I started running every time I would get, you know, I would run from treatment, be on the streets, get caught, get arrested again, go back to juvenile detention center or McLaren, the prison, juvenile prison. Then I'd get sent to another treatment center and then I would run, you know, and I, I did that um, did pretty much my entire teenage life. <laughs> that is no joke to be put away at 13, to go through something so traumatic at 13 years old. Do you have a sense of why that they might have been so harsh with you that there was no sort of second chance option. Well, I probably harsh. It, I mean, I think that um, in today's standards, uh, they're probably not giving out class A felonies to kids that bring weed to school now that it's legal in our state. <laughs> but uh, right. you know, we're talking, this was, I mean, 20 years ago. So, um, what they did for me, I mean, I had an out, right. I could have listened to them. I could have taken the charge and taken the probationary period, done well with my tutor and started back to school and then, you know, listened to what they were trying to tell me. But, um, I was pretty rebellious and I, and I had a grudge against the way that I was being treated. I didn't like the authority. I didn't um, feel empowered by what actions were going on. And I, I'm a pretty, um, high energy person. I like to be doing things at that age. I was kind of like the class clown. There was a, a mixture of a lot of different things where, you know, I had the opportunity to go one way or the other. And I decided to rebel and, and it didn't work for me. And I tried many years running the wrong direction uh, and rebelling against the system and government and authority and parents and foster parents and all that, um, before deciding that that lifestyle doesn't work and doing those types of things wasn't creating the lifestyle that I wanted for myself. So, and, and there was a, there was a stage, there was a phase 
um, in my running that um, where I was selling weed and I, I eventually started selling other stuff uh, to provide for myself, to give myself housing, to eat food and to, to hustle. And there was a phase where it was, you know, the Scarface phase, right? That you're going to be some baller and some boss and, and, you know, you get, you get enough sales and you get some cash in your pocket and you think you're balling. And, you know, that's, it's all a smoking mirror because when you get arrested and they put you in jail, you lose everything again. And then you come back out with hopefully a bag of clothes that you had before you went in. And that was, that's what it was. And that, but when you're running and, and you're on this high and you have some cash, you think you might be able to go somewhere. And I always thought, well, maybe I could make something out of that. But every time I lost it all. And 19, I was just tired of, of getting arrested. And um, one of the last times that I got arrested was in front of my mom. And um, I had been arrested in front of my mom before uh, throughout the course of my years. But every time that that happened, it really, really disturbed me. And to see what it was like in her eyes, uh, to see the tears in her eyes while I was getting, you know, handcuffed and, and the disappointment and the, um, the look that she didn't know what to do with me or how to handle the situation. There was nothing that she could do because I kept on making these choices, but, um, you know, that really hurt me and it, and also hurt to not get what I wanted out of life. So thank God that it changed for me. And I'm, and I'm actually pretty grateful that this happened in a younger, at a younger age for me than let's say it happening, you know, when I was 45. So. No, uh, right. Zach, I'm glad you brought that up, man. Uh, first of all, uh, I was arrested in front of my mom when I was, I think 13. Um, uh, I, we were, me and my friends were drinking and we like broke a street light in front of the house and I got arrested later on because of it. So I'm kind of familiar with that feeling at all uh, somewhat, but, um, I remember the last interview you did, you said it wasn't until you were arrested in front of your mom that you had that moment of clarity. Um, it, it took that to really kind of get your shit together. And, uh, and you know, I'm saying that because mother's day is coming up on Sunday, obviously. Um, one of the, the one of the more inspirational uh, parts of your last interview that I obviously me and Meg listened to it uh, was that you took your mom on a trip to Thailand and you just the ability to be able to do that. And you guys aren't from Thailand. Uh, you just took her on that kind of adventure. I, I feel like that's something we all dream of doing, you know, with our parents. And um, you were able to accomplish that. I mean, you really came full circle on that whole thing. What a I, I'm assuming you're probably still close with your mom right now to this day. And, uh, do you have plans for mother's day on Sunday? Yeah. Um, well, the <laughs> plans have all been shifted, uh, because of social distancing. Of um, so we're, we're going to hang low and, uh, I'm going to drive out here and spend some time with her. Uh, my, my mom loves gardening and, um, She's been doing a lot of outdoor projects uh, lately. And so I'm trying to, I had some ideas of what I was going to get her. And, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get her some stuff for, for her adventure on that. But uh, it's going to be pretty low-key, but I'm definitely looking forward to Mother's Day this weekend. Yeah, I am as well. I mean, I feel like it's one of the most important days of the year. Um, and I, I and have I'm, to second that being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And even, even my girlfriend, she's a, she's a mom too. So uh, I'm going to do something for her too. Yeah. I mean, it's the season. Um, one of the main things too, that I got from your last interview was it said you started when you finally, you were all done with this after the situation with you getting arrested in front of your mom, um, you got out and then you had nothing but a garbage bag of clothes. And you said something really interesting that, that resonated with me because I feel the same way about it is you had nothing to lose. So it made it easier to take risks and to kind of put everything on the line for what you were building. Um, how, do, how do you feel about that now? That's still, um, 
I mean, that still rings very true uh, to the to the person I am uh, because I remember that. And there goes there's longer periods of time where I kind of forget that because I do have to mitigate risk at the levels that I'm playing at. And, um, you know, people do rely upon me being able to pay the bills and, and run a business and, and be able to manage stuff. But, uh, I still, uh, you know, think that it's, it's valuable to take calculated risk, but to not have so much fear behind something that you end up not trying at all. Um, and you know, having nothing to lose, for some people is a good place to be. Um, ultimately, if you're, if you have no other options, but to succeed, then you're going to work harder at that. And, uh, you know, when you get to certain size, you can get comfortable or, you know, when you, your needs are provided for you, right? Right now, my, my food, my housing, um, situations are good. I have some money and savings. I'm going to be able to last the COVID thing. Um, I'm in a pretty secure spot, but I would say that it's still very necessary to evaluate risk and then take it, you know, um, don't put other people in jeopardy, but you know, in, in my shoes of starting as an entrepreneur in business, um, I really had nothing to lose. And I have, I've put myself in positions with real estate investing that I wouldn't suggest to other people. I've been at times I've been over leveraged. I've had hard money loans. I've been paying high interest and, and I've gotten bitten a couple of times. And there was, there was a time, um, last year that I thought I was going to lose. I thought there was a possibility that I could lose everything. And it was based off of a, a court decision, um, off of a house that I bought from the County at auction. And, uh, I had to fight for, to prove my ownership over it. And I was invested heavily into that property. And, um, so I, w I was considering all these things and, and I was worried about losing that stuff. But, um, the thing that I knew that I was going to keep if I had to claim bankruptcy or walk away from all that was the knowledge that I have today. And I wouldn't have that knowledge if I wouldn't have gotten the experience to take that chance and, to take the risk that I would put there. And, uh, luckily everything worked out and I made it through it. But, um, uh, yeah, that's, I would say that's a very good, uh, space to approach taking risk as, what do you have to lose? It's yeah. so interesting that you've had the opportunity to explore the parameters. You know, I, I hear that in guests. I have a lot of, I have actually a, a follow-up question about that, just the parameters of, um, you know, knowing what it's like to have nothing and then knowing what it's like on the other end of that to actually have some security, but also without sort of the same kind of desperation and fear. And I've got some follow-up questions about, about what that looks like for you, but we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor and then come right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Hey, welcome back to Felony Podcast. Me, Meg Thibodeau, and DJ Dick Hennessy are here with our guest, Zach Nolan from PDX Contractors and Mountain View Recovery. Zach, I was uh, just, we were just talking before the break about a couple of things that you had said about your process. Um, from, you know, running, I hear you talking, this is a common theme that I hear with a lot of our guests, this real rebelliousness, 
hey, I have it. I know Dick has it. We talk about it all the time. There's some something, something that we have taken from this pure rebelliousness, this kind of rage against the machine, right? It's kind of like the system isn't working. Like you were saying, you're a little kid getting in trouble at school. And yes, you could have just decided to walk the line. And yet you decided to rebel and to run. And I feel like there's that same energy that the kid, the young person, the angry guy that's like, feels like the system is unfair, figuring out how to take that same exact energy flip it around and use it for your success instead of your destruction. And I see it, it really feels like you've done that. You talked also a little bit about um, what it was like. Dick was talking to you about what it was like to get out of prison with one bag. You have nothing, you have nothing to lose. You say success is the only option. What do you do when success is the only option? You work really, really hard. I don't know that everyone feels that success is the only option. It's kind of a special it's a special characteristic, I think, to take a look at the world when you have nothing and say, success is my only option and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as hard and as fast and as dedicated as I can towards my own, um, my own well-being. And you've really done that. I'd love to hear more about how you're able to balance out, as you said, now that you do have success, now that you, have, you do have something to lose, how do you still bring that same energy of success is the only option, but without the fear and desperation. Does that question make sense? It's a little bit esoteric, but I find it really fascinating, even for myself, how to go forward making decisions when the stakes get higher, not bring a lot of fear-based lack mentality with me and, um, and still be able to maintain that drive, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes total sense because in the beginning it was a necessary uh, necessary steps that I had to take um, for myself, and and now I could you know sit back and try to just enjoy the ride the way it is, but uh, I would say that now it's it's kind of grown into um, a focus, um, and that's what. It, I have come to learn is that I need to stay focused on what I'm trying to achieve. And I've become more analytical over time. Um, it wasn't always like that. Uh, I'm a very, um, before I was very, you know, loose with things, you know, putting a, putting an idea on a napkin <laughs> is like the way I would be right. Or putting my business plan and writing it on a piece of, wrinkled up paper is the way I would be. Um, but over time I've learned that, uh, keeping track of some of the small stuff and writing things down, taking notes, um, and really assessing those numbers and, and doing stuff like that really matters in business. And it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in or, you know, whether you're applying this to just your life, you know, you have to do that while you decide, you know, if you're paying too much for your cell phone bill or your rent or your car um, and insurance and, and all this stuff, you kind of have to figure those things out. Well, the same applies to business, but just on a much larger scale. And um, I've been able to hone in my focus a little bit more. Uh, running multiple businesses um, hasn't been extremely good for the focus because it's hard to jump out of one business and into the other. Um, but over time, you know, I've been licensed, uh, our, our business license has been 10 years for the free housing. Um, over time I've gathered people that help me with the focus and are in place and kind of help me operate the whole thing. Um, but, uh, it's, I would say focus, uh, without the fear is, is, definitely um, the key there it's a practice right it is a practice absolutely what kind of things do you do to take care of yourself to maintain this this piece of you that you know is matured over time we're you know you were saying you are talking a little bit about your you know a year ago you were really afraid that the business might fail based on a court decision with a real estate situation that you were in 
And that really says to me, you know, you've just experienced this really full spectrum. You know, you kind of have found the limits. You found a, a place where the fear was on the other side, you know, with ownership versus lack of ownership. Um, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you take care of yourself within that space? Like, what is your, I guess I'm asking, what does your self-care look like? Because taking care of two businesses, particularly one that does such in, intense service for folks that are dealing with deep, traumatic, addictive um, stuff, it takes a lot out of you. You're a young guy and you have clearly a ton of energy, but how are you taking care of yourself so that you're able to maintain what is essentially a spiritual practice to be in a place where you maintain focus with all of these things going on? Uh, well, I've got a couple things. Um, meditation uh, is one of them. Uh, journaling. I pretty much journaled all year long last year. <laughs> and I, and I started because I was going through issues and, and I had to get it out on paper and I was also hitting the gym. And I, last year, I, on self-care was probably the best self-care that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was going through that hard time. I, I didn't know what else to do than to try to take care of myself. And so I was, you know, I had meal prep going on. I was hitting the gym every day. I was journaling in the morning and meditating here and there and, you know, getting out, going on walks, going on hikes, uh, doing some physical activities. Those are the type of things that I do uh, for self-care. I do believe that um, with, you know, going to the gym, you also have to be eating healthy. Uh, so to, to, to start getting the results and to actually get it, you know, a full 360, you have to be doing both. Uh, so those are, those are some of the things I do. A lot of what I do now is, is um, hiking and kayaking and it, it's not something I have to do every day, but it's, it's definitely helps with my self care. That's awesome. like a, it's so important. Especially right now. Um, more than ever, in my opinion, everyone's sitting at home. Everyone's scared. A lot of people are dealing with mental health issues, depression. Um, what would be your key, uh, Zach, to someone listening to the podcast right now that's feeling kind of helpless or depressed, kind of get out of that, that rhythm and kind of break that cycle and get into the the realm of self-care, going on hikes, working out, getting motivated to eat, right? Uh, what would you, what would you advise people to do? Well, I've been advising people um, to, to find their hobbies and um, to do more of that. And for me, you know, like I said, it was the hiking, the walking and, and bike riding and stuff like that. Um, for other people, it might be something different. It might be doing art. It might be, um, journaling. It might be, uh, volunteering, um, helping a family member with yard work, um, getting out of yourself. Um, and to not just sit idle, you know, that's not good for any of us, no matter who we are, just to just sit and do nothing. And, um, I know at times, you know, we have stay at home orders. Some people are really concerned about that and are doing such a good job <laughs> with that, that they are falling into depression. And, you know, I, I believe in, in following the law today, but, um, you know, it's, I don't think you're going to get arrested if you go take a walk around your neighborhood. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Unless you're in New York. Yeah, maybe if you're in here, I don't know. They got it pretty bad over there. Um, and it, as far as, as what I've been, the opportunities that I've been taking on during this time are opportunities to get things done that were on the sidelines for my business. Um, with things slowing down on one end, they haven't really slowed down for me because I picked other projects up that I've had sitting on the sidelines waiting to be done. And kind of for me, it's almost a breath of fresh air because I don't have to hustle as hard as I've been expecting myself to on a daily basis for years. Like right now, I'm just kind of breathing, going, everything's good. And uh, I can take care of the things that I've been wanting to do lately. And I can imagine that that's probably true for some people sitting at home. 
out of work. They've been wanting to start a new hobby or talking about getting more exercise or, you know, picking up that art project and doing something. Now is the opportunity to do that. Yeah, there's nothing holding anyone back right now. I mean, there's no excuses, really. Uh, doing something that could better your life and enrich the quality of, you know, whether it be reading a book or doing a project that you've been putting out for years. I mean, now is really that time to kind of take the bull by the horns and change uh, the trajectory of things. Uh, one thing that I was wondering about is, in the again, in the previous interview, you talked about um, you had done... Uh, you'd went and talked uh, for business in a box and we had, I had previously interviewed Daniel uh, Bielenberg who does business in a box. He invited me to come and speak there as well. Um, but obviously this whole thing has kind of messed that up, but um, can you give me a little bit more insight as to what that experience was like and, and what you, what you did? Uh, yeah. So I went down to, uh, I believe it was Fannie Ann uh, prison. Yeah. Um, and uh, met with those guys, and that is an amazing program uh, that he's been running down there. Um, I was impressed by, uh, we sat in a circle in a room, and um, we went around, and the guys shared about the projects that they had going on, and then I talked about my projects. And I was really impressed with the creativity that these guys had, Um Inside the, you know, inside the box, you, their walls are confined. They are restricted and they have to get creative. And um, I think that that what I saw down there was a, a beautiful um, opportunity for those guys to get creative and thinking in the mind of like what they could do um, on the outside. And, you know, some guys were just, you know, it, trying to get things rolling in there and getting little projects done. But I, I was really impressed. And um, I think it would be cool to actually follow up with some of those guys that get out and, and maybe um, try business outside of those walls. Cause it could, you know, you could go from only having a few customers and uh, to possibly having hundreds of customers and that could be kind of overwhelming and then also not having money to do your project or not knowing how to get it out on social media or you know not knowing exactly how to market it or make it scalable or also making sure that it will provide the lifestyle that you're looking for um those guys do have um the, some um steps that they would have to take to, to do that with some of their projects. But man, I, I'm really impressed with that program down there. And one of the main things when I uh, did the follow-up interview, because he was on the show uh, before I interviewed him was I asked kind of how are people doing that he brought up before? Cause there were certain people that were showing a lot of uh, signs of promise and stuff like that. And it's, it was shocking to me, uh, the amount of the success that some of these people have had in real, uh, it's a short period of time, but you know, just like you, uh, like me, and I'm sure Meg feels the same way. Sometimes it takes that kind of going through hell and back to get to motivate you to really not mess around and take shit seriously and take it to that next level. And unfortunately, you know, without that, without having your back against the wall, you know, there might not be that much of a powerful motivator to take it there. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I've, a lot of my learning experiences have been um, through pain and yeah. um, that's, that's what has inspired change in me. And uh, it's still true for business. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll go with what works uh, until it won't work anymore. And then you either can choose to end that or see, take a different look and see what works from there. So, you know, one of the people I look at is uh, Grant Cardone, who kind of does, I don't know if you're familiar with who that is, but he's big on flipping houses and having a bunch of rental properties and things of that nature. Is there anyone that inspires you or anyone that mentors you that you look up to in this industry or you just figure it out as you go? Well, I do actually um, pay attention to uh, some podcasts. Um, that are uh, business podcasts and real estate podcasts. I do watch uh, Grant Cardone. 
um, on Instagram and, and stuff like that. It's kind of, I, I believe it's kind of a show. I, have, I don't really have experience with his thing, but um, there are definitely, uh, I, look, I look at people um, that are at maybe a lower scale than that because they would actually have the opportunity and the time uh, to help me out if I needed to be. Uh, most people are willing, if you can get a hold of them, they're at least willing to answer your questions. And there are definitely, that's one of the things that's helped me succeed is not being afraid to ask um, for things or ask people how they handle the situation. And, and most times you'll get the answer that you're looking for. And it might not be the answer you wanted, but you will get it. And if you don't get it where you ask, go somewhere else and ask it. So um, that has been a key to success in mine is, is mentoring and um, having role models and stuff like that and paying attention to what they're saying, reading books that people write that are um, in my industry or in business. They've, they've definitely helped me out a lot. That's great. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's important. And I think it's one of the things that we kind of downplay a little bit is just um, the importance of being able to learn from people. I feel like no matter what stage you are, no matter what it is you're doing, the ability to learn is infinite and you can never stop learning. And I think that a lot of times it's the people that feel like they know it all or they've accomplished enough. It kind of plateau, but the key is to continue to continuously push yourself. And right now is a perfect opportunity for that with the pandemic because it's every day, everything's changing and evolving so rapidly. Um, I know right when you got started, I, I think if I remember correctly, you got started in about 2000, I'll say 14, if that's right. Right after that, there was that big housing collapse with the bubble burst and then the boom started. You got started around that time, right? 2008 when I bought my first house and that, um, yeah. 2010, <laughs> I, 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 uh, registered and, and got a business license for the nonprofit. So, I mean, that's impressive. Kind of, yeah. Um, right now it just was released. I think yesterday that unemployment is worse than it was during the great depression. Um, what are your thoughts about how the descent of the Portland or just the universal housing market is going to be? Well, the housing market, I've had um, everybody that I've been listening to is heavily invested in um, having some sort of business in the real estate market that they expect income from. So there's, I'm very biased into what I'm listening from it because everybody's been very hopeful. And, um, I sit on both sides. I'll, I'll listen. I'll have, you know, an opinion about each side, whether it could go wrong or bad, but everything is just kind of speculation at this point. And everything that I think of is speculation at this point, because this is weird. None of us have ever experienced this type of situation. There are forbearances. There's, um, government assistance like we've never had before. There, there's a lot of things in place um, that will help us rebound this. And I think more people are going to be understanding as far as landlords for business owners and, and stuff like that. We, we as people are going to hopefully bind together and try to help each other stand through this because it, it's affected all of us. There isn't anybody that hasn't been affected by this. And, um, so I, I think that we are going to go into a, a market downturn and I, I think it could get worse over a couple of year period before it gets better, but that's just speculation. And, and if it were to be the other way where we would rebound really quick and, and most businesses would come back by fall or get things worked out, that would be awesome. But I, I'm not going to, um, expect the best and then experience the worst. So I, cause I'll be prepared for it, you know, for how bad it'll get, um, and, or could get. And so I, I am concerned about that, but people aren't just going to sit around, you know, um, even after the crisis, I mean, people want to work, we're, we're going to bounce back, uh, somehow, some way. I feel like the kind of grounded optimism that you're talking about, I mean, it's kind of in the theme here is this thread of, of that 
when you don't have anything, you have nothing to lose. Let's make success the only option. And what kind of humility it takes to ask for help, to ask your neighbors for help, to ask your community for help, to be in a place where you're open to learn. I feel like, you know, what we're doing in this podcast is interviewing folks who have and through really dark things. You're saying that also about your clients at the Mountain View Recovery Houses is they're kind of okay. These are people who have really been through dark things and they have a wisdom and a resilience and a humility about them already that's helping them in this time. I feel like it's those of us who have been through things. Um, these are the voices noticing that the people holding up our economy, the people holding up our survival are folks that are not big earners. You know, they're not the celebrities. They're not the wealthy people. They're the folks that are actually cleaning businesses, uh, the janitors, the healthcare workers, these folks. Um, And so do you have any, we're, we're getting ready to close. Anyone who's listening now can help you with if there's any resources that you guys need at Mountain View Recovery go ahead and you know if you want to let us know how we can find you how we can help you and anything else that you want to share with people at this time or at any time about how they can to this resilience you know this kind of city to keep going so that we can have the rounded but optimistic future that you're talking about well, uh, I'm glad to say that I don't really have a whole lot that I could ask for. I have a lot of people um, in my organizations and, and that are close to me that are really in place and empowering me and empowering other people in our organization. Um, one of the things that... Uh, I could use help for is uh, private money for for uh, real estate purchasing and, and, and doing these housing uh, projects for people. That's really kind of the only thing I could ask for. And I and the only reason I don't have it myself to do right now is because it's wrapped up in these couple projects that I've got trying to turn and build a service for the city. Um, so I guess that's really the only thing that I'd be looking for. But uh I, um, I always, if, if people are listening in the Portland, Oregon area and, um, you know, they've got other people, uh, if you could do other people a favor and just empower people during this time, you know, all of us need a little bit of help and a little bit of assurance and and security and, and support. And so, you know, you could help out by just supporting the, your neighbor or, the person you see on the street or somebody that, you know, a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, just be supportive during this time. Zach, one last question. Um, just for people listening, I always love to ask stuff like this. You know, when I was a kid growing up in the eighties, I get the time life books that had like to do with fixing plumbing or doing like cabinetry and stuff like that in houses. And it always seemed incredibly overwhelming to me. Um, for someone listening to the podcast right now and is interested in kind of, developing their own business with flipping houses or improving houses and making a living that way. What kind of uh, advice would you give them? What kind of recommendations would you give them? I would um, tell them to get educated. And I don't think that it takes a lot of money to do that. I wouldn't suggest going and paying an outrageous amount of money to buy somebody's program. I would say do the, the dirty work and get into some books, some home improvement books, or do your research on on YouTube if you're trying to do plumbing, electrical, framing, carpentry work, um, stuff like that. Uh, another another thing that I think people overlook while getting into business is their accounting. And um, you know whether you're just when you first start out, if you're just drawing a ledger on a piece of paper, you need to calculate your numbers, what you're spending and putting into your business. And uh, eventually when things get real and there's you actually have some, some serious money involved going into an accounting software like QuickBooks or something like that, um, that, that will help uh, stabilize your business and, and help you keep track of your success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's great advice. And honestly, my mom is my CPA. She's an accountant. So I give one more Mother's Day shout out today. Um, 
on that note, is there a, like a website, a URL, an email, a number for somewhere, you know, if people want to contact you and support you or, you know, just ask you questions maybe or have you mentor them, uh, is there any way for people to get a hold of you? Probably the best way to get a hold of me would be on uh, Facebook or Instagram. And uh, my Facebook name is Zach Nolan, Z-A-C-K-N-O-L-A-N. And my Instagram tag is Flippin' Cool Guy. Um, those would probably be the best places to get hold of me. Flippin' Cool Guy. <laughs> I like it. It's catchy. Awesome. <laughs> Glad you're back, Meg. Um, so on that note, uh, I think it's about time to wrap the show up. Um, Zach, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. Always a great guest. Look forward to having you on again. Um, again, if you guys are looking for us every Friday at 10 a.m., we're broadcasting live at StartupRadioNetwork.com. Go on the podcast. Remember, Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday. Remember to do something special for your mom. Call her. Uh, send her a card. Do something nice. I uh, can't recommend that enough. And uh, as always, Send a letter to your friends in jail or prison and put some money on the books if you can. And stay safe. Um, Meg, I'm going to let you uh, call this one out. Do you have any couple words? Hey, I hope everybody stays safe, stays well, and, uh, you know, keep in touch. Keep in touch with your people. Same same thing you're saying. I'm right there with you. Zach, it's been awesome having you again on the show, being able to interview you for the first time for your second show. And we look forward to the next time. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And and thank you guys for listening. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.